Amen. As you're being seated this morning, I want to invite you to take out your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, we're continuing in our study, verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And, and we're going to talk about abilities this morning. God gives us certain abilities, and I'm so grateful he, he, he does. Is there anyone this week, and just kind of checking in with you to see how we're getting started, how about this week? Did anybody need God and what he could do for us this week? Anybody found them? That's most of us. Like, like you found some part of your life where you just thought, I, I need God here. And, and aren't you grateful that he gives us abilities to be able to experience what we couldn't experience without him? Things that we need. Uh, some of you ha- have had a rough week, I know. Anybody have a rough week? Difficult week. Okay, good. Uh, maybe, maybe you woke up and uh, went out the door, came home at lunch, and found out you had two different kind of shoes on this week. <laughs> Anyone have that kind of rough? Yeah? So, anybody married to somebody that did that this week? <laughs> and you got to laugh, I mean, you got to encourage them and, and feel sorry for them? <laughs> I'm in trouble now. She's throwing stuff at me. Oh, mercy. That's, that's not, ladies, how to respect your husband. That's how not to do it. So, y'all, I'm in big trouble when I get home today. So just pray for me if you would. It's, I'm going to be hungry and the whole bit cold. Anyway, some of you even wore two different color shoes today in solidarity of my wife's wonderful week. Thank you, Ed, for doing that. Some had a good, isn't that cool? Now that's support right there, that's a friend. Um, Anyway, you had something this week perhaps that came along and and you just thought, you know, I just need God to enable me through this. I need something that, that God could give me. And he does do that. He gives us abilities that we don't otherwise have. And, and, and write this down. It's actually his desire, right? So God's desire is that we experience him. We experience something wonderful, something powerful that is above human existence, human experience, the common everyday ordinary stuff that we can do on our own. Did you know that that's God's desire? He wants for us in this life, right here, right now, with whatever you're going through and whatever you're facing, he wants for you to experience a wonder, an amazement, a blessing that helps you to experience something that takes you above common, ordinary human experiences. Aren't you glad we have a God like that? And that's what Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus, what we might pray for ourselves today to experience because we have such a great need for it. Now, I like to call these sort of uh, ascending abilities. Another word would be escalating abilities. Or uh, I, I read somewhere a guy said they were telescopic abilities. The idea is they, they ascend. One leads to the next which leads to the next, which leads to the next. And like stairs, every step brings you higher and higher above human experience. Or like a telescope, one lens adds to the next lens, and each lens magnifies more and more, but it takes all of them in progression. I might say to you, for example, this morning, if there's some ability that God wants to give you that's way up here, okay, it's above human experience. God wants you to know him, experience it, have that ability to get through it, to master it, to conquer it. And it's up here. God will oftentimes grant us that ability step by step, one at a time. And so you don't get from here to there in one step automatically. I I probably, I used to be able to jump that far. No way now, I'd be hurting. But so I take this step, now it's that much closer. And this step leads me to that step, which leads me to the next one. And before you know it, each step of ability that God has given me leads me to this place where I live in victory, where I live conquering obstacles, knowing God's peace and powerful provision in my life. He wants that for us. Now, I'm going to show you where it comes from. It's right here. Ephesians chapter 3. You got it? You read with me? There, we're going to start in verse 14. Look at it. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you. Okay, time out. First of all, what he's about to tell us 
about these abilities is something that God grants us, right? They come from him. His prayer is that God would grant you. Now he's going to explain it. What is he granting you? According to the riches of his glory, that's above us, would you agree? To be, here it is, strengthened with might. We talked about last week that that's the ability of strength. Through his spirit and the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, rooted and grounded in love, that's stability. He offers us the ability of stability, to be stable, grounded. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, because I really want you to know your Bible, I want you to really understand what the scriptures are saying, not just some slick lesson that's entertaining for you today. Because that's true, I want you to see something. Notice that in the passage, there are abilities. We identified strength and stability, and today we're going to introduce security. There are those abilities. But I want to show you how his prayer is that one leads to the next. Look, it's right here. Verse 16 said, He would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened. You with me? That he would grant you strength through his spirit in the inner man. Now watch the next word. That. The word that in that place indicates cause and effect. So that. Right? He would grant you strength so that. Oh, there's more. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, or that Christ may allow you to be rooted and grounded in love. Do you see it? Second part of verse 17, then you see, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width, length, depth, and height? Now watch this. To know the love of Christ. The to there is also cause and effect. In order to You see it? So he says, I give you the strength so that you would receive the next one, so that you would receive the next one in order to, watch this, know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you see it? In other words, being filled with all the fullness of God is up here. Something God wants to grant us. But did you see that in order to get here, there were steps. He gives us strength so that now we know stability. He gives us stability so that he gives us security. So now we know God's security in order to be filled with the fullness of God. You see it? That's why these are called ascending abilities. One leads to the next. You'll find in your Christian life, church, this is what the Bible teaches us, that usually responding to the light of God's word brings more light. Responding to God's goodness brings more goodness. Walking through his open doors leads to more rooms. You see? It's this journey that we're on and Guys, I I don't know. I think some of us need security today. I'm just looking across the church in America, Christian homes, schools, families, and there's a whole lot of insecurity out there. Hey, there's a whole lot of insecurity right here. Most of us don't even realize the way that we relate to others out of an insecure heart and how hurtful and damaging our relationships can really be. Even in the church, we need God's ability of security so that when we relate to one another, so that when we live life, we're representing the fullness of God so that our impact is God's impact on others in our life, not our own. You see it? So here we go. We're going to look at security. He says, now security is going to be shown in love. I'm going to show you that and give you the answer right up front. It's going to be in love. But I want to show you what he prays for us 
to receive. I was in verse 17 here. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend. Mark that word. Because we're going to get to love. But he says that we would comprehend his love. Comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height to know the love of Christ. What does that word comprehend mean? It really means to grasp. When you, when you, 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 know, when you reach out and, and something's wiggling around, you fishermen, you know, your fish is flopping on the deck or, or a worm's wiggling around, and, and you reach out and you grab it and you're able to securely handle it, that's grasping. Now, now I can do something with it. Before I couldn't because it, it was not under my control, right? It was just sort of flopping around and, and I kind of played with it and I could see it, I was with it, but I didn't have control over it. I had not yet grasped, mastered it. In our language, we use the term comprehend here, which is taken from a Latin word of prehender, the Latin term prehender means to grasp. It's like a monkey has a prehensile tail, right? The, the monkeys that hang. Prehensile means they're able to, to indicates they're, they're grasping with the tail. They have a grasping ability, right? They can hang. They've got a solid, firm, controlling grip on that branch in order to hang upside down and sleep, right? That's what it means to prehend, to comprehend God's love. You see the difference? Guys, I don't think God's satisfied today at Crosspoint with us learning more about God's love. I don't think the goal and the idea is for us to be able to describe in great detail the love of God and all of its impact on the world. The prayer and the ability that we need that gives us security, that enables us to live life in victory, is to grasp hold of all of the various dimensions and effects of God's love. To really have it under control. To be able to utilize it. To have it. To rely on it. That's where security is found. To make it your own. Can I ask you a question? We talk about God's love. Now, understand we're talking about something that is so far above our own understanding. Right? God, is, his ways are so much higher than our ways. So, so to say that we've perfectly grasped God's love, I don't know. I don't know if we ever get there, but, but he prays for us to receive it. How many would say, you really get the idea of God's love and make it your own in how you live life? Right? God's love, all of its extreme dimensions, determines how you live. Most of us, hey, listen, help me out here. Most of us end up in trouble because we don't. That's where anxiety and fear come from. That's where defeat so many times comes from. That's where insecurity comes from, right? All these things that cause us to be emotionally unhealthy, and there's all kinds of problems. I struggle with it just as much as anybody in this, in this room, right? But I want to grasp hold of. I want to have God's love actually make, make it my own to where it determines, because it's so far-reaching, how I love people, how I live my life, how I approach obstacles and unknowns, right? That's what we're talking about here, to comprehend. So to getting a grasp on God's love, that's kind of the lesson for us today. And he shows us uh, different dimensions. We have three dimensions. God's love has four dimensions. Explain that. I can't. I don't, I don't get four dimensions. My mind isn't able to think in four dimensions. But God's love comes in four dimensions. See? He says he, that you and I would be able to comprehend, grasp hold of, make it your own, rely on it, with all the saints together, what is the width? Okay, let's look at that one first. The first dimension is how wide God loved the, the width. That refers to how inclusive it is. God's love has such width, eternally wide, that it doesn't leave anything, anyone out of its scope. God loves all people on the planet. God loves every single people group, those that look like yours and those that don't look like yours. God loves every nation on the planet, the pagans and the Christian nations. God's love includes 
the lifestyle that is extremely left and the lifestyle that is extremely right. And I'm telling you, there's evidence that the church is not getting this today. We like to talk about how wide God's love when it affects where I am. It's wide enough to catch me, but it's not wide enough to catch those who have lifestyles that I don't agree with. Lifestyles that are in rebellion to God. Listen, if, if living a lifestyle not in rebellion to God was the precursor to his love, my friend, you would be in big trouble. And so would I. It's not just wide enough to catch how far out you were. To comprehend the width of God's love means to understand that God loves all of those. And the church would do well today in America. Listen, our church included. Instead of hating and persecuting and putting up our defenses and being combative towards those with sinful lifestyles. You know what I'm talking about? You know what kinds of things I'm talking about? Instead of pushing them so far away, what if the church loved them as God loves them? You see, that doesn't mean compromise. God's love never means compromise. God cannot compromise his own holy nature, yet he still loves He still has a redemptive mind of goodness and blessing toward those whose lifestyles and backgrounds and colors and races and genders and ages are far differently than yours. Comprehend the width of God's love. Oh, that'll make a difference in how you treat people. If you understand how wide it is, how far it reaches, it also broadly fits into your own life. Good thing. Can you imagine if God's love only extended as far as your church life? Hey, I'm not trying to be mean here, but for many of you, that would mean six out of the seven days, you're in trouble. Truth. Isn't it good to know that God's love reaches beyond your church life and into your personal life? the personal affairs, to your career and to your work life? Did you know that God is working in his love in your career, in your interests and hobbies, in your social life? There's no part, friend, there's no part of your existence and how you live on this earth that is outside of the scope of the width of God's love to reach you and to bless you. God's love can be found in all areas of our life. It's wide. It affects and reaches all people. But he also says it's long to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length of his love. The the length refers here to how lasting it is. When something is long, it goes on and on and on and on. This is referring to the length of his love. God's love is longer farther reaching, greater in its lasting ability than your mind can put together. Eternally beyond what you know and what you're able to see. It's, it's, the word here for length is exceedingly great, large, loud, mighty, I mean, it's, this, it's the idea of this drastically increased ability, God's love, in your life. It's far-reaching. Uh, let me show you an application of this. Turn to, well, you might not have to turn there. Jeremiah 29, I think we have it up here. But if you want to turn there, Jeremiah 29, 11 shows about the future. God's love is long in your life future, in your plans and the possibilities of what's going to happen to you and where you're going to be. Jeremiah 29, this is God talking to his people, by the way, who had gotten themselves into trouble. They were lacking hope. As a matter of fact, they were captives. And he says, verse 10, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good toward you and cause you to return this place. Now look, for I know, God says, the thoughts that I think toward you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. 
no matter where we are, what we've done, what we've got ourselves into, how sideways and twisted we might end up, God's love comes with a plan and a purpose always. You see, you can't outrun this. There's no circumstance that will change this to give us a future that is hopeful, a future that is good. So the person who's strung out on the streets, given up all hope, no family connections, someone who's lost an important loved one or friend in life, financial crisis, reversal, debt. We need to understand that whatever the situation, wherever we're at, God's love comes with a plan. See, his love lifts us. If we grasp it, it takes us to the future. There's always a hopeful future, no matter what circumstances you're in, when you grasp God's love. It takes you to a future that is hopeful. You say, it doesn't feel like it right now. It feels like, I don't know God's love, or maybe my situation, my circumstances looks like there is no hope. There's no future that's good. Turn to Psalm 34. There was a guy who was in that very same situation. His name was David. David, probably, church, more than anyone in the scriptures that we know of, understood the length of God's love. God says that David, in his own estimation, was a man after his own heart understood God's love, lived with God's love, and experienced God's love. More than any other man, according to God, he was the one that was most closely associated with the heart of God. And yet, when we read in Psalm 34 this, this praise, this blessing, this cry out to God, his communication to God, this is written in a time probably where his circumstances were really not good. You remember, God said, okay, David got a future and a hope for you. You're going to be the king of my people. You're the one. Anointed to be king, promised to be king, to rule the kingdom of God's people, to experience great blessing. I'm saying, guys, that's a pretty good future, huh? That's reason to hope. That's the promise. Yet in his journey, he finds himself under such alienation from his own people, that this is written when he was pretending madness before Abimelech, it says. In other words, it, he was in a situation, was actually King Achish of the Gaths. And in order for him to be who he was, this guy would have killed him. And so he had to literally pretend he was some insane guy. If you remember the passage in. For Samuel 20, 21, he's literally spitting in his beard and foaming at the mouth. All, all play acting, all pretending. Why? So that this guy would know who he really was and kill him. Now listen, just think about that. The promise has been that God has a future and a hope for you, yet you're in such a real place in life that you're on the run hiding, and the one who's been promised and anointed as king having to pretend you're crazy, man, so that somebody wouldn't kill you. Burned by his own people, Saul, chasing after him. Like, when life doesn't work out like you expect it to. Is anybody here today and that's you? Like, life just really hasn't worked out like I thought it should. Like, I thought God promised me that it would. The circumstances don't, don't look good. What's my future and my hope? And in that context, this is what David writes. Look at verse 2 of Psalm 34. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me 
and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. David understood the length of God's love. We can learn from David's estimation. Literally pretending he's crazy to survive, been betrayed, life isn't working out. And yet he says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me. God's love is long. His plan and his future for my life extends beyond the immediate situation that I'm in. Folks, when the church people today realize that God's love extends far beyond the current situation that you're in, that puts things into such perspective that you begin to live life differently. In many cases, that's the perspective that we need. It's an elevated perspective. It's a perspective that's higher than human experience that allows us to see with greater clarity in our lives and to have greater security to know that God's love extends. God's love is patient. God's love has a plan beyond what we see. It reaches farther than even my little journey where I go off track. And God's love still thinks toward me good thoughts, a future, and a hope. I'm glad God's word does it. By the way, David says it like this, taste and see. Isn't that interesting? He's talking to people. He doesn't say, uh, learn and know that God's love is that long. doesn't say just sing songs about it. He says, you pick it up and you own it. And you taste and know God's plan and purpose for your life and his love extends beyond your current circumstances. How do I do that? He says, seek the Lord, look to him, cry out to him. We keep seeking and God keeps answering. God's love is wide. God's love is long, lasting. And then he says, it's deep, right? That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth of the love of Christ. Depth refers to penetrating here, penetrating. How deep can God's love go into who you are. The idea that God's love can penetrate to the core of who you are. Now, now listen, church, I'm, I'm just, let's just be real, okay? Just hold on a second. Not so important that we just have all the right answers this morning. What's really important is, is this going to make a difference for you? Most of us, many of us at least, do not understand or know what it means to have God's love touch us to the core of who we are. The core is the place where everything else fades away. If there was nothing else for eternity but you in this existence of who you are, in your soul, in your spirit, that's the core of who you are. And the core drives what you do. We learn habits and we learn procedures and tricks and behavioral modification to try to help us from the outside, but realistically, we keep falling victim of the core. Is the core being less led by the flesh, or is the core being led by the Spirit of God? And that determines the battle in life. God's love is deep enough. Think about the word profound. Hey, when you hear something that's profound, what does that mean for you? Wow, that's profound. 
or when you realize something that happened in life, whew, that is profound. What does it mean? It means it really affects at all levels, right? It's deep. It's meaningful. It has real, tangible application that will change everything. That's what it means to be profound. God's love is profound in our lives. If it touches deeply, it affects deeply. If it touches the core, it determines the life. It's amazing to me today. You can talk with uh, Christian counselors, Christian psychologists, family counselors. Today, Christians are hurting emotionally more than ever. I mean, deeply hurting, confused in their core. I submit to you that the reason is because we have not yet learned to allow God's love to get there, to touch. For example, this is an example. Okay, so don't think I'm picking on you because this might be you. I've noticed that in talking with people today, now this is church people, okay? Talking with people, people are very defensive and aggressive in conversation. Have you ever noticed that? Like, it's really hard to find a really solid, healthy conversation with some emotionally healthy where there's no, like, guards and barriers, and the person isn't thinking, what is that person really thinking? What do they mean by that? Well, they're trying to say I'm doing this, and, and I don't know what they're really, I'm not sure I'm really safe with that person. You know, that kind of guarded conversation, most of us, I'm just telling you, you, you may not recognize it. I can try to help you. Most of us live a lot of our conversational social lives that way. It's like we're constantly, we, we got our shield, our dukes up everywhere we go. And this is in the church. And, and in our relation to people, it's like, yeah. I'm not, what are you going to say? Did you mean, you said, you, you just said, I'm, you hurt my pride. I can't believe you offended me. That's, that's, guys, let me tell you why we do that. We do that because deep, deep, deep down inside, we're not really okay with who we are. It doesn't take a psychology degree to know that, by the way. We're, we're not okay. We don't feel safe. We're not satisfied with our, our identity. And so, so there's this defensiveness. There's this constant tension. And because we need, in our relationships, we need to gain some additional boost to our identity from other people. And it, and it doesn't, doesn't sit well that somebody thinks poorly of me or criticizes me or, or thinks that they're better than me. And so, deep down at the core, we are very insecure people. You see, because you, you need to know that God created us in the very core with a very huge hole. We are not complete in our core. That's why we do that. God's love is intended to reach down past all the layers and all the shallowness and all the hurtful experiences that you've had in life that make you defensive or whatever to reach all the way down there to be, listen to me, the one and only source to fill that hole. That we find our identity, that part of, I'm really good, I'm okay, in Christ's love in our relationship with him. And then and only then do we find ourselves so emotionally full and healthy that we're able to relate to other people in a way that blesses them instead of holds them as somebody to be suspicious of or threatening. It's only then that our relationships can now have a flow, an outward flow, where we begin to live our lives in such a way that God's love is now affecting them. God's grace is now drawing them closer to God, doing God's goodness and his greater glory in the lives of others because 
His love identity has touched me so deeply that I can now relate to people out of the overflow of his love. Hey, Dr. Comfort, that would do away with counseling if we could just master that, wouldn't it? That would do away with all this pop psychology stuff. But the truth is that most of us don't live there. Most of us. And guys, I'm talking about like some of my toughest conversations with people where I'm trying to be real, try to just be transparent and like who is God and, and, and what, what should we do together to please God? You know, real honest are with other pastors and church leaders and their families. And my experience is this. They're some of the most guarded, emotionally unhealthy people in the church. It has nothing to do with how long you've been part of church or how much scripture you know. Paul's prayer is that God would grant for them to receive these abilities that lead them as they live life victoriously to open up and allow God's love to penetrate to the core of who they are. And that alone gives us great security in life. Anything less is going to cause insecurity and is going to create difficulty. But hey, listen. You guys just need to know this. This is what God wants for us. It's not that hard. It's harder to try to live life with a shield and a calloused front to try to protect yourself from being hurt than it is to live up here on the plane above human existence because God's love touches you deeply and penetrates your heart. No insecurity needed, church. You are exactly who God wants you to be in Jesus Christ. And you are perfectly 100% acceptable to him in Jesus Christ. And you don't need anything else. That's called security. That helps us face life. Well, there's one more and we'll close. Paul says his prayer to the church is that God would grant according to the riches of his glory, that you and I would be strengthened with his might so that he would dwell in our hearts through faith, so that we would be rooted and grounded in love in order to comprehend, grasp the width, the length, the depth, and now the height of the love of Christ. The height refers to how elevating it is. You mean God's love could do all that? It's that wide, really? It's that long? It's that deep? And it's really that high? High enough to elevate us. What quick video I want to show you. Do we have that video, Kevin? A video about God's love. He is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane, I am a tree Bending me, away to his wind and mercy God loves you, and he loves you with a love that you don't even know anything about Because there is no human love comparable to divine love God loves you, he wants to forgive you, he wants to have fellowship with you it doesn't make any difference how far you tried to run from God. He loves you. His eye is on you. He sees you. God created us in his image. And you as a person are important to God. The Bible says that God has the hairs of your head numbered. Every moment of your life is watched by God. Oh, how he loves us so. listening and God loves you he's your friend he'll put his arm around you and he understands and he answers and he's sympathetic to your problem 
God loves you. And the Bible says that God sent his son from heaven to this earth for you. Jesus Christ came to this earth to take your sins upon a cross. And he would have died had you been the only person in the whole world. He loves you. Don't ever forget he loves, 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 loves you. You. was nailed to that cross he did that for you that's how much he loves us the bible says i have loved thee with an everlasting love forever and ever and ever and ever and ever god loves you and god has a plan for your life I think most of us want to live with that kind of assurance, with that kind of grasp on life. That God's love really is that deep and it really does affect us. It enables us in our life to live a different plane of existence, to live on a different experience in life. Knowing He loves you, being loved, giving purpose in your life to His love for you makes all the difference in the world. It won't mean that all the circumstances are rosy and better, but it means whatever you face in life, God elevates you and lifts you. So that even when it seems like life's beating you down, you're living in victory. You're living in a place that, you know what, it doesn't matter because God loves me. And I know God's love. And I enjoy God's love. And I'm safe in God's love. Early on as a child, I'll share this experience with you. I, uh, my dad was a pilot. My grandfather's a pilot. We come from a family of pilots. And that's all I ever wanted to be as a child from the time I could remember. And I would go up, of course, all the time as a child. And, and I remember thinking, well, the reason that I love flying so much is because there's this sense when you're, you know, at 10,000 feet or 8,000 feet. And you can still see your house and you can still see your town and maybe the ocean or whatever, the surroundings geographically. There's this sense that, at least for a little while, you're above all that. Like when you're flying up and it's just droning engine, wind, and you look down in that, that big crisis that down in my living room or in my workplace seemed so unbearable. It's just I cannot believe how am I ever going to survive this day. Have you ever had that moment? Like this is too much. And, but up here, when your living room or your workplace is this big, it just sort of puts it all into perspective. You know what? It's okay. God has a plan and a purpose that's so much bigger than that and that's just a small part and and I can go back down now fresh and, and engage that situation with a new clean perspective with, in the spiritual realm with God's resounding purpose and plan in my heart. That makes all the difference in the world. That's what God's love does for us, folks. It lifts us. It gives us perspective. It shows us where his healing takes place in our heart. It shows us where joy is found. James says, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you suffer trials of many kinds. And you go, what? He didn't really know what he was talking about. Consider it pure joy when you suffer. Like, burned at the stake suffering he's talking about, right? Consider that joy. How is that even possible? In human experience, it's not. But God's love elevates. And he wants to grant us the ability to live with joy no matter what we're facing. And to have influence in every area of your life. Influence for the glory of God. Influence for the goodness of God. His love can do all that in our life. And you see, the truth is, church, many of us can be saved 
blood-bought, born-again, confessing Christians and cease to live with a grasp of all the dimensions of God's love. And sometimes our lives look no different than the lost, unchurched person who doesn't know God at all living right next door. And I just want you to know, church, that's not okay with God. That's not okay. He has more for you. He has better for you. He died for you to make his love real so that it changes who we are and how we live life. And the Bible says that it was Paul's prayer to God that he would grant that to his people so that they would know what Paul knew about God's love. And that's my prayer for you today. Would you pray with me? Do you know God's love? Is God's love a, a truth, a piece of information? Is it a feeling, an emotion, a sensation? Or is God's love the absolute, abiding, powerful presence in your life that takes you above human experience to know and experience God personally. And as you're praying, God, help us to know your love. Grant us the strength and stability being rooted and grounded in this love to know the width and the length, the depth and the height of the love of Christ so that we might be filled with the fullness of God. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've never believed and accepted forgiveness of your sin because of his death on the cross, that's where his love begins. That's where it's found. You cannot know the love of God except through Jesus Christ and his death, burial, resurrection. Would you turn to him this morning and trust him? Would you reach out and accept the gift of forgiveness, eternal life? How do I do that? Well, you just simply believe, surrender, and invite him in. So God, I know that I, I am a sinner and I'm, 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 my sin is the problem. I can't get to you. I can't please you on my own. I need to be forgiven. And I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins and offer for me to receive the forgiveness because you paid the debt for me. So this morning I believe, I accept. Yes, Lord. Come into my heart. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I, I trust you. Then God speaking to your heart this morning about his love. I want to invite you. If you want to come forward to the altar, you can do that. Spend a moment in prayer. Just open your heart to God's love. Where does God's love need to touch you today? In its width. God speaking to your heart and you want to come up here? Go ahead, come up, pray. Make a commitment before the Lord. Come as a family. Is it that you need to know more to understand and grasp and have more of the length of God's love far out into your future? But this morning, Lord, I know in the core of who I am, the very depths of, of me, I'm scared, I'm insecure, I'm not okay, and I, and I've been seeking for all kinds of ways to make it okay. God, would you, I just open my heart. Would you just flood me with the depths of your love? Fill my hole in my heart right now with you and you alone. I just need you. And I'll be fine. Lord, help me in life. Just to know your love experientially today by truth, by faith, by your granting. Help me to see into my life that whatever's going on here, whatever issue, crisis, situation, that I see it through the lens of 
being high above it in your love. To know the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, as a church, we take this truth from your word, this love that you talk about, and we want to hold it and cherish it and live according to it by grasp this week. Help us to do that. It makes a difference in our lives. And that we glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, church. I hope that message isn't just something that, oh, that was kind of nice. Yeah, that's true. I hope and pray that that's something that we all take home with us. Put it on the refrigerator if you need to remind you of it. Take it with you throughout the day. The truths, the concept. Don't be satisfied until this week you grasp hold of God's love, his love for you. Ushers are going to come forward at this time. Would you take out your chat card, church? Would you just, you know, everybody take out a chat card. We so love doing this together, don't we? You're not all smiling. Come on, church. Look, we get a chance this morning to respond to God. I mean, when, when do you get to do that? Respond. Put it on the card. Here's what you said to me, God. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you showed me. Here's what I, I love you for, I thank you for, I'm praising you for. Write that down. And then with your offering, your tithe and financial gift, that's your, right, offer to God as an act of worship. You put also your response in there. Because responding to God is just as much worship as giving to God financially. Right? And you'll watch how that will change the way that you live throughout the week when you spend a special dedicated time and celebration and give to God your response along with your offering. Let's pray. God, we give to you our hearts this morning. We give you our life, our being, our obedience. We want to know you and love you today. Thank you for speaking and empowering us and giving us the goodness of your heart. Receive we pray these tithes and offerings that it's pleasing to you as we worship in Jesus' name. Amen.